Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. What have you noticed about people's reactions to Jesus? In many ways, their reactions tell us more than their words do. Many people are religious phonies. The Bible calls them hypocrites. Such people say one thing and do another, despite appearing religious, and they're anything but true followers of Jesus. On the other side of the coin, some people are truly sincere. Like Jesus, they are generous people full of love. During the last week of Jesus' life, he met all kinds of people, and today, we will too. Let's join Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Jesus, the Generous King. After Jesus leaves those guys, he appears to the 10 without Thomas. You say, but there's supposed to be 12 disciples. Well, there's 12 minus Judas. That leaves us with 11. Thomas is not there. That leaves us with 10. After that, there's later appearances of Jesus and the ascension. He appears to the 11, including Thomas again. He appears to other people at the, at the Sea of Galilee and various other appearances. And then he issues the Great Commission. Matthew's account is the most popular, but since we're spending this week with Dr. Luke, Luke, the writer of the gospel, was a doctor. We are going to read his Great Commission, Luke 24, 46 through 49. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ or Messiah uh, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that, now this is very interesting. This is the mission of the church. And that successful Christian living should be preached? No. Four steps to being happy? No. 18 ways to be a good dad? Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the core message of what Jesus wanted preached He said, and that repentance and remission of sins or the taking away of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses, he says to the apostles, and you are witnesses of these things that's followers of Jesus now. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high until I send the Holy Spirit, wait for him in Jerusalem to come to you. He will give you the power you need to preach the gospel and do the ministry that I have for you. Then various appearances all over the, over the course of that time between the the, uh, when Jesus appeared to them, and then finally he rises up and, and he gives this great commission. And right after that, we have the ascension, approximately 40 days after the resurrection. Jesus ascends into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God, and the Savior King of these events will someday return as judge in what we call the second coming. Luke 24, 50 through 53 tells us after he's given them their commission, what he says, how the ascension goes down. He says, and he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass when he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So it, it is a physical, Jesus was raised in a physical body 
and his physical body is raised up to heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. So they went to the temple. We might say they went to church. So does the fact that you know these things and you go to church mean that you're okay with God? Maybe, maybe not. See, what I've given to you is the highlight of the events of the Passion Week. As you go through the different events, you might find that more is communicated through the reactions of the people to Jesus than some of the events themselves. I mean, it's not just what they say, it's how, again, they react to Jesus and how their actions tell us where they stand with Jesus, whether they go to temple or not, whether they go to church or not. Doesn't, not everybody in, in the building is, is in the same place with God. So a lot of the actions of the people will tell us, are they really with God or are they really against God? The reactions are many. There are many. And I just want to look at a few. And when you look at them, you know, some are easy to tell, some are not to tell if you're new to the Bible. We've said this before that sometimes the fact that the religious leaders hate Jesus and the apostles is so very confusing. The fact that so many religious people don't like Jesus, even though they go to church, is very, very confusing. So the first group I want us to look at is religious phonies. Religious phonies. Sadly, you find them in church. I wish it wasn't true, but you do. One of the good things about the way we do church is when you teach verse by verse, it tends to weed them out. It tends to, teaching verse by verse tends to attract, let's just put three different crowds. It attracts two of the three crowds. The people who really want to follow hard after God. They love verse by verse teaching because they love that it's challenging. Even though it's brought to their attention, their sinfulness, they see that as that's God's invitation to intimacy to me, that he wants to make me more like Christ, that I know he's at work, And that's why I'm really willing to listen to the gracious words of Jesus, even if he's telling me I'm a sinner. So people who really want to follow hard after Jesus tend to like verse-by-verse teaching. Surprisingly enough, people who don't know Jesus like verse-by-verse teaching. Many people come to our church, and if it's you watching or you come here, you want to come Sunday, many people come who are not followers of Jesus. They want to hear, they grew up, some of them grew up hearing the Bible readings or they want to hear the Bible read and they want someone to explain it to them without a flowery presentation. They want it straight up. Just tell me what it says. Let me go home and think about it. I don't want to be entertained. 
I don't want I don't want any kind of fancy talk. I want it to be clear. I want it to be simple. I don't want it to be boring, but I want it to be right on point with what God says so I can make up my mind concerning these things. So very little difficult feedback. You know, and I talk to people after service and they say, they'll walk up to me and they'll say, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I invite people to tell me they're not followers of Jesus during the service. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And this is the one thing I say to them, was I clear? I don't ask them if they like it. I don't ask them what they thought about it. Was I clear and was I simple? Did you understand it? Because, friends, I just want to leave the work in the hands of God and to let them and God have it out, if you will. I, I, don't, want to, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be the middleman. Now, who's the third people that don't like verse-by-verse teaching? Well, they're the people in, be, in between the people who really want to follow Jesus and the people who don't believe in Jesus, sometimes referred to as the mushy middle, but it's a lot of people. It's the people who are like, well, I want to follow Jesus, but I, want, I don't want to be told I'm a sinner. Well, it's by being told that you're a sinner and seeing that Jesus died for you that your affections grow tremendously for Jesus. That's how you love him more when you realize what he has done for you. That's how he changes you. But if you don't want to be told that stuff, well, you're probably not experiencing a lot of change other than maybe where you spend Sunday morning and how you spend some of your money. And so those kinds of people don't really, don't really like that. So sadly, there's a lot of religious phonies in the church. Luke chapter 20, verse 45 through 47. Then in the hearing of all the people, he, Jesus said to his disciples, beware the scribes. Who are the scribes? They're the teachers of the Bible. They're the Bible scholars. Beware the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. They want to look religious. They want to look so very religious. They love greetings in the marketplace. What is it? They love to be seen. Oh, hello. How are you? Oh, how are you? They they love to be seen. They love to be fussed over. They love the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts. What are they? They love to be honored. They love to be honored. Who devour, look what they do. Who devour widows' houses, they take advantage of widows. And for a pretense or for a show, make long prayers. Oh, dear God. Or they just... Just they drone on and on and on. And Jesus says, these will receive greater condemnation. They think they are the ultimate insiders when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. They essentially mean the same thing. They think they're the ultimate insiders, but they're going to find out that they, they are the ultimate outsiders. That, that they, have, they are outside of the grace of God. Let's call these guys the ego-driven religious leaders. And notice an interesting thing. Jesus doesn't comment on their teaching. He comments on their behavior and their desire to be seen as spiritual. Now, I think 
we can assume Jesus goes beyond being on our guard for them to making sure we don't try to become like them. Jesus' warning is clear. Whether you're a leader in the church or not, don't live your life to be seen by people. Lead your life to be seen by God. And don't pray long, empty, droning, on and on, boring prayers just to try and look spiritual. Now, those types of people, it's amazing. They often take advantage of people. They take advantage here. We see it in the, in the, in the text. They like the best seats at feasts. They take advantage of people's hospitality. And they even take money from widows. And Jesus considers that to be a very, very serious thing. Interesting, and again, I'm just reading a little bit into this. Jesus not only warns us about them, but for our sakes in a church with one another, I think he's warning us not to create them with our praise. I mean, don't make a big fuss over them. I mean, you know, sometimes people um, will meet me after a service, and I know they mean well, but, but they'll say to me, I agree with everything you said. And then I'll just smile and I'll go, you know, we both could be wrong. <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't shower people. If somebody does something that blesses you, just say, you know, thank you, that was really a blessing. And that's fine. And if they're humble, they'll say, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, glad, that you were, I'm glad that you were blessed. But if you create them by constantly praising people, it, it actually creates an invitation or environment for them to, to take advantage of people. And if you puff their heads up enough in their pride, they will be unable to take constructive criticism of any kind. You see, when it comes to people that are using their gifts for the kingdom of God, at best, they're, they're just using the gifts that God has given them. So there's nothing really special about it. And, and, and they don't deserve the best seats. I mean, look at Jesus, the ultimate servant leader. What does he do at the Passover feast with his disciples? He washes their feet. And then ultimately, where's his seat? His seat's on the cross. He doesn't look for the best seat in the synagogue. Now, when we come to chapter 21, we roll right into, and this is probably Tuesday, a complete contrast. It says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury or into these big offering boxes they had around. And you know, they were made of metal and people would have come up with these big coins and they'd throw them in. And a lot of times, probably to be seen. And then it says in verse two, and he saw also a certain poor widow. Another version says he saw a very needy widow putting in two mites. Another version says two small copper coins. Another version says two cents. 
So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all of these put in out of their abundance, and that's okay, have put in offerings for God. They put in out of their abundance, they've put in offerings for God. But she, he says, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. In other words, she put in all she had to live on. So from the hypocrisy of those who want to be seen in the church, we move to sincerity. From phony religion, we move to true devotion. From the showy rich, we move to this poor widow. I really love the way the account is in Mark's gospel. And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this in kind of the way it, it seems to me. It's like Jesus grabs the apostles. He grabs them and he's like, did you see that? Did you see that? You know, Jesus is not easily impressed. Have you noticed that in reading the Bible? He's impressed when the centurion says, I am like you. I'm a man of authority under authority. Jesus goes, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. You get it. I have authority over sickness, over demons, over everything because I'm under the authority of my father. And in the same way, Jesus grabs the disciples and goes, did you see what she just did? Did you see that? You could picture all the angels in heaven going, wow. She put in everything that she had. You see, everybody saw her throw in two pennies. Jesus saw her throw in two giant diamonds. How different her response is to God from most people. Even the apostles can't say they have that level of complete trust. She's not looking for any kind of recognition. Rather, she is looking for how she can humbly serve the Lord. What is she doing? Basically, she's giving her life to the Lord. That's what she's doing. Not, she's not just going to do what's best for her. That's what most people do. What most people do is they, they choose. They go, well, I feel God is leading me to do this. How often it corresponds to what you want to do yourself. And they take Jesus along for the ride. So much for, you know, denying yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus. Most people just do what they want but not here at all. Jesus praises her faith and her trust that she has her priorities, her heart is set on God, and she is a woman of true faith. She's a true insider. This is what a true insider looks like. She demonstrates a very, very important concept for all of us, just like Jesus does that no one is too poor to give of their time, talents, and treasures to the Lord. No one's too poor for that. Now, let's get practical. Don't be afraid. He's like, oh, no, he wants all our money. You cannot give all your money to God. I mean, if you give all, you come in Sunday maybe, and you give all your money to God, and you give it all, you know, Monday morning I get a call from the police. Hey, there's... 
loads of people sleeping outside your front door because they say they have nowhere to live anymore because they gave all their money to the church. Well, that's not going to work, is it? And that's not the point of what Jesus is trying to make here. What's the point? Trusting participation. Trusting participation as an evidence, motivated by the grace of God, as an evidence that grace has come to you. Participation in the work of the gospel in the church and in the world. More than anything we see, Jesus sees the heart behind what we do for him, and it shows how much we love him. And we see it in Jesus' love for us. What she demonstrates really is the gospel. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for the Apostle Paul wrote, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, think heaven, he came from heaven, yet for your sakes, for my sakes, but since I'm looking at you, it's for your sake. Yet for your sake, he became poor. So he was in heaven. He came down the stairway to earth. God became a man. He was raised in a poor town by a poor carpenter and his lovely wife. And then he dies a sinner's death on the cross, although he is innocent. So though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor that you, that me, that you, through his poverty, through all he did, his life, his incarnation, his becoming a man, his life, death, resurrection, that you could become rich. What does that mean? So you could go to heaven. In other words, the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus' poverty, is only because God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, And then, as this woman did, giving your life to Jesus, just as King Jesus generously gave his life to you. Now, friends, I know this. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, whether you're having trouble giving it all, you hear stuff like, oh, I, should, I want to participate. I need to give a little bit of money or, or I really should get involved in volunteering or, I, or God would, I think God wants me to do this or I should do, you know, be involved in something. It's easy to hold back. It's easier to hold back. It's harder to take that next step and trust in Jesus. But it's only harder to take the step. Once you take the step, you will find it to be the most rewarding thing you've ever done in your life. I speak from experience. I had a, I had a kick in business. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> and I knew that God had a call on my life to do what I do now. And that was a hard step to take. It was easier to rationalize the reasons why I shouldn't take it. It was hard to take it, but when I took it, you know what I've been saying all the time, what took me so long? So one more passage, Luke chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Now the feast of the unleavened bread, 
uh, drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes, we'll call them the religious leaders, sought how they might kill him. So (laughs) happy Passover, let's kill Jesus. They want to get rid of him. For they feared the people. So they want to get rid of Jesus. They want to kill him, but they're again, they're afraid of the crowds. Let's call these people the haters. Yet, there's two divisions of haters. One is the people who just hate everything Jesus, everything religious, everything church, everything blah. But these are people who say, oh, I believe in God. I, I go to church. I, I go to temple. I go to, I go to synagogue. Yet, Their life doesn't reflect at all someone who loves Jesus. This has been in the planning stages for a long time. Now these guys are just looking for the right time and the right conditions. For them and to us, and this is a warning for all of us, if we're not careful, hatred and bitterness grows like a weed in our souls. And when that happens... One sin leads to another, and it gets easier and easier and easier. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.